0: People often say, whatever you do, do not pray for patience. (laughs) Because the assumption is, if you pray for patience, then God will send trials into your life so that you can develop patience. what do you think about that? Do not pray for patience because... God will send you trials. Whatever you do, do not pray for patience. But the reality is, as we're sitting here today, that that's a little bit on the superstitious side, isn't it? It is. Because the reality of life is that we live in a corrupted world. We we live in a world that is sin-stricken, fallen, corrupted. And so trials, temptations, and difficulties of life are not only a possibility, but they are inevitable. And that's what we want to talk about and think about this morning with James, the writer of the book of James. James chapter 5, if you have your scripture with you this morning, James chapter 5. Patience for the precious fruit is what we're going to be thinking about. As we look at these couple of verses. Verses 7 and 8. James chapter 5 verse 7. Be patient therefore brothers. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it. Until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today for the privilege we have of opening your inerrant, infallible, inspired word. It is a privilege that we have. It is a responsibility that we have as the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church. It is our privilege. It is our responsibility, Lord, to uphold the truth of your word, to preach it unashamedly. And to stand for it and to stand upon it in obedience and faithfulness. And Father, we know that trials of various kinds come upon us, come upon all of us. And we pray this morning that you will help us from your word, by your spirit, to remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work that you have given to us to perform. To exalt, to magnify the name of Jesus Christ. To preach his everlasting gospel. And to call people everywhere to repent and to believe upon Jesus. Lord, help us as we turn to your word. We pray that your spirit would be our teacher, that you would apply these verses to each and every one of us as you see fit, that you will help us to be obedient and to to learn ways that this will be applicable for us today and every day for the glory of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. We face trials of various kinds. James chapter one, verse two. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. When you fall into trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so we all face these trials of various kinds, and it's important, as we all have as we have learned from James chapter one verse five, to pray for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not. He gives to you freely, he will not scold you. He will not chasten you for asking him for the wisdom to live in the midst of the trials and the difficulties of life. And James, the great illustrator, has given us another wonderful illustration here today. To help drive home a point that there is coming a day of judgment and that we have this trials and we have these difficulties that we face in this life. And yet we are to persevere in faith and faithfulness to God who has called us to eternal life and a relationship with him. Now, how do I know that he's talking about a judgment? Well, let me point out a word to you that I like to point out quite often. He says in verse 7, be patient, therefore. And when you see the word therefore, you need to ask, what is it there for? And it's there to point back to what he had just previously been talking about. And what he has previously been talking about is that the people who are rich in this world and devoid and poor in the things of God need to wail. They need to weep for the miseries that are coming upon them. There is coming a judgment day when Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, will come descending, stepping on the clouds to receive those that are his and to cast out from his kingdom and his world all Who have rejected him and turned aside in their unbelief and in their rebellion. And so he says that we have need in the midst of this life where so many are in rebellion. So many seem to have life going their way. They're rich in the things of this life. They oppress the righteous man. The last verse there we studied last week. Chapter five, verse six. You condemn and murder the righteous person. These good people, children of God, scattered abroad all over the world are being persecuted for righteousness sake. They are being persecuted and maligned and put down. And James holds up this wonderful, precious truth and says, Jesus is coming. Be patient. Be patient. So let me share with you a few things in these two verses. They really extend farther, but we'll get into those, Lord willing, next week. But in verse 7, let's think firstly about this. Be patient in suffering. Just kind of jot that down if you want to take notes. Be be patient in suffering. The word that James uses here in verse 7, he says, be patient, therefore. And then he gives an illustration. He illustrates his own exhortation. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. And then in verse 8, you also be patient. And the word that he uses there for patience is a word that means having an even temper in the midst of trying and difficult circumstances. It's easy... To have an even temper when everything is going well. Is it not? But if the traffic light stops you too many times on the way to work. Or the line is too long at Walmart. hmm, Or the kid asks for the hundredth time. Are we there yet? It's hard to remain even tempered. Amen. And we face much more difficulties in trials than those, do we not? And if we falter, if we stumble at the point of the line in Walmart (laughs) or the red light, how are we going to do when we face the severe trials and temptations of our faith? How are we going to face those if we can't even sustain joyful, patient trust in God in the midst of those light and momentary afflictions. So James gives us an illustration, as I mentioned. This past year, I'm not a very good farmer. I, uh, <laughs> I tried to plant a garden, and I did. I mean, I did all the hard work. I laid it out there. We plowed it up and planted all of those seeds all over the place. And then I went on vacation, and I can't tell you what happened to it after that. It looks bad. But this farmer here is not like me. He this farmer here, he he plants the seed, he does all of the labor preparing the hard soil, gathering the right seeds, planting those seeds, and then he waits. He waits. Now he can stand over the seeds In the ground and sweat bullets, he can get a rocking chair and sit out there on the edge of the field and rock back and forth frantically. But guess what? Those seeds will not grow any faster than the master in heaven designs them and plans for them to grow. They're not going to grow any faster. And what does this farmer need? Patience. He needs in the midst of this Sowing, planting, and now he's waiting on the harvest. Why does he do all that work? Because he enjoys the sweat? Because he enjoys it? Because he enjoys all of that labor and toiling and preparation? No. He does it because he's looking toward the harvest. He's looking toward the day when he will reap the precious fruits of the ground. That he may enjoy them. That his family may enjoy them. And here, our brother James, under the inspiration of God, says we too need to be patient, patiently trusting in God. Because, let me ask you a question: Who gives the rain? The farmer? Who gives the sunshine? And who adds the increase to the growth of the plants? God. You see, what he's saying and what he's pointing out is that in life, we have dreams, we have goals, we have a day coming that is unlike any day that we could ever imagine. Beautiful and glorious and swiftly coming. But in the in between the time that we're born again and brought into the kingdom of God, the family of God, the household of faith, and the time when our Lord returns, there's going to be a time of waiting. A time when we have to be patient and we have to endure because in the midst of waiting, there's all of these circumstances and trials and difficulties that will try to ensnare us, that will try to trip us up and try to weaken our faith and trust in God. And God is the one who gives the rain. And God is the one who gives the sun. And God is the one who adds the increase to the growth. And so whose timetable are we on? Well, we're on God's timetable. And He will not return one moment sooner (laughs) than what He has purposed and designed from eternity past. He won't come any sooner. And we want him to come. I, the prayer of our hearts should be come. The book of Revelation, John the Revelator says, even so come, Lord Jesus. We long for that day, but we have need of patience. I mentioned earlier that, you know, it's difficult to have an even temper when everything's going your way. Another way to think about that is this waiting in the seasons of waiting. That reveals our character. <laughs> Why do you get frustrated at the red light, at the checkout counter, when the person cuts you off on the highway, when the kids are nagging, when, you, when you're faced with trials at work and in the community, in relationships? What is it about us that it is revealing? That's the thing that we need to ask ourselves. Because as James picks up pen to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's saying to us over and over and over again, this is what true biblical faith looks like. This is the way it lives. This is the way it acts. Test yourself, he says. Don't be deceived. It's not the hearer of the word who's justified, but the doer. And on and on we could go as we've studied the book of James. And here he says, listen to this. What about patience? What about patiently enduring and persevering in faith and faithfulness to God, revealing the character of God the Father implanted in you by the person of the Holy Spirit? Is he there? And does he show? Because our character is what shows in our trials. Lengthy trials will show the depths of your heart. And so for that, we should actually be thankful, really. We should actually be thankful for the trials that come upon us because they may reveal areas in our lives that God wants to change for His glory. He may reveal something in your life that you have never seen before. You didn't realize that you had this remaining corruption lying dormant beneath the soil of your heart. And through the trial, it'll come out in such a way that you can see yourself more clearly than you did before. And can say, oh God, forgive me, cleanse me, help me in this time. That's the first thing. The second thing is to have confident expectation. Have confident expectation in verse 8. If you look at verse 8, he says, you also be patient. And then he uses a word here. Establish your hearts. This has the connotation, the idea of confidently, expectantly persevering. We're not just hanging on to the end of the rope for dear life. But we have a deep-rooted confidence in our souls that he who hath called us unto himself, he who hath begun a good work in us, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We have confidence that no matter what we're facing today, no matter what trial or difficulty we are going through, no matter how burdensome it is, Jesus is coming back for us. He's coming back. And that confidence, that expectancy, what if it is today? Are you ready? What if, before I finish this message, Jesus Christ returns? Are you expecting Him? Jesus said, I will return at an hour when you think not. The world will be going on as if nothing is going to happen. Are they not? We can just keep doing whatever we want to do. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. We have no expectancy that Jesus is coming, that judgment is coming, but not the people of God. We have an eager, confident expectation that the one who said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We have a confident expectation. And listen, what does that do? What does that do for you? Why is that important for you? Because when the doctor calls and says that you have cancer. When the doctor calls and says there's nothing more that I can do for your child. When the boss walks in and says we're sorry the funds are not there. We're going to have to let you go. You're going to need something that's unmovable. That's stable. That's solid in your life. So that you can press on in faith and faithfulness to God for the glory of Christ. Next week, Lord willing, we'll get to Job. He's going to point to him as another biblical illustration. Look at Job. Look at what he went through. And what did he say? Though he slay me, yet I will praise him. I will praise him. Let me say this on this point. God is glorified by our faith. When you're facing trials and difficulties. What really glorifies God in that moment? You see. It's easy for me to stand up here. And say how I love Jesus. And how he's the love of my life. How he's the love of my heart. How he's the dearest friend I've ever had. And sing sweet praises to him. But it's quite another thing. When I am shackled to a Roman soldier. Or adrift a night and and a day at sea. Wondering if the next moment will be my last. It's quite another thing when my child is sick. And the doctor comes in and says there's nothing more I can do. And I look up in confident expectation and hope to God and say, I still say to you, you are my joy, you are my strength, you are my love, you are my all and everything. Our faith in the moments of testing and trial and difficulty is what makes God look great He is great, but you make him look great in your life. You manifest to the world that he is great to you. When when everything is going to the contrary, you still love him. You still trust him. You still praise him. And you remain faithful to him. Thirdly, joyful anticipation. Joyfully anticipate the precious fruit. Joyfully anticipate. The precious fruit. Verse 7. I'm going back now. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. <laughs> he wants that harvest day. He wants to be able to get out his cans or his freezer bags, and he wants to fill them up. And all year he's going to enjoy the precious fruit of the earth. My friends, today we have something that is infinitely more precious than any fruit that comes out of the ground. We wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his power and all of his glory. We wait for the triumphant reign of King Jesus in perfect peace and righteousness. Do you long for that? Think about it today. As real as your heartbeat sitting in that pew, Jesus of Nazareth will return and reign in this world in perfect peace and power and righteousness. No more sin. No more death. No more corruption. No more pain or dying ever again. That's what we're waiting for. We wait for the reunion of our with our precious loved ones, all of the saints of old, beholding each other in radiant glory with imperishable bodies raised from corruption into unimaginable beauty and strength and ability. Can you imagine the most feeblest of saints <laughs> We can't imagine. Paul said, we will have a body that is fashioned like Christ's most glorious body. Look around the room just a moment. Look at each other. See each other. You realize this morning that you do not know the beautiful creation of God that you are looking at. When you see the most ordinary, weakened, frail and fragile saint of God, you are looking at a brilliant, glorious creature of God who will shine forever and forever and forever in a place called Heaven and dwell and dwell upon the earth with Christ and all of the saints of old. That is what we are looking forward to. That's the precious fruit that we're waiting on. The farmer's waiting for the seed, that little speck of grain to come forth. And it doesn't come forth with the same body that it goes into the ground with. No, it's planted and has one form and fashion. But it comes out and it has a different form and a different fashion. And that farmer waits expectantly for that little speck to come forth with a radically different form. An increased usefulness for him. And for those who enjoy the precious fruit of the earth. And so the question arises, while we wait, how shall we wait? How shall we wait? Let me give you just three things. Number one, we wait with great hope. Great hope. The Bible says that we have a hope. The writer of the book of Hebrews says we have a hope that's like an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast of a glorious eternal future, secured through the redeeming work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus arose from the grave to ensure the salvation of all of his people. And so today, if you would come and cast yourself upon the mercy of the court of heaven and ask for him to forgive you of your sins on the basis of the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that can be you today. And you can wait in patient endurance with great hope. Secondly, we wait with joyful anticipation. I already mentioned that, so I will not belabor it. With joyful anticipation, seeing the one who by His grace has saved us and called us to behold and reflect His glory forever and ever and ever. And thirdly, we wait with patient, joyful endurance. Endurance. Recognizing that the trials of various kinds are for our good. And ultimately for God's glory. You recognize that for your good. This is for my good. You can say that to yourself. Romans 828. You can say it. Whatever you're going through. Whatever you're facing. I claim it. I don't always use that word. <laughs> Very cautious that word. But I'm going to use it here. You can claim this. Whatever it is you're going through, Romans 8.28, it's for my good, it's for God's glory. It's for God's glory. And God is going to cultivate within you, not in the absence of the trials and difficulties, but in them. In them. He's going to cultivate in you patient, joyful endurance and perseverance in the faith. I say joyful because we recognize the reality of whose we are. Are you down today? (laughs) Whose are you? To make you happy. If you belong to Jesus. I'm sad. You look in the mirror. Not the same kid you used to be. Amen. (laughs) Whose are you? When you look into that mirror. What you see is not what you are. You are something that you cannot imagine with your finite mind. And one day you will be in all fullness at the return of Christ. Whose am I? I am Christ, the King of glory. And who am I? I am a child of the King. that make you happy? The worst trial, the worst difficulty, the worst thing you face... Whose am I? And who am I in Christ? You see, James talks about the farmer, but God is the ultimate farmer. And with His unquenchable joy, He endures sin and rebellion in His world. Knowing that He has begun a work long ago, He completed that work in Christ and he's working out that finished work on the cross by the proclamation of the gospel. He's working out that plan. And that he will bring forth the glorious fruit that he intends, namely bringing many sons into glory through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with these words. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For it was fitting that He for whom and by whom all things exist to bring many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So let me ask you, whose are you? Whose are you? There's only two camps you can be in. You're either in the redeemed or you remain in the unredeemed. Two camps. You can't be in one, you can't be in both. You can't ride the fence. Whose are you? Are you God's through Christ? Are you God's through the work of redemption through Jesus Christ? Then press on in faith. Faithfulness to God. Why? Because he's coming. He's coming. Let's pray. Father, as we come now to the end of our time, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And we pray this morning that by your grace and your mercy, you would reach down this morning and turn the sinner to a saint. Give repentance. Give faith that that some in this room may say for the first time, in reality, I repent, I turn away from sin, and I trust in Jesus Christ. Help us to respond according to your will, according to your purpose. For We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.